Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers and Global Ministries. We are continuing our uh, part five, uh, or it's a five-part series on the top five things men struggle with that we decided to, to tackle. And there's so many things men struggle with, it was kind of hard to narrow it down to five. But just trying to be helpful and, and, and maybe awaken some things in your hearts uh, out there. So uh, the one we're going to do talk about today, this is part two, is on lust. And so uh, we're going to tread lightly and uh, deeply uh, and uh, see what God has for us today. But uh, I'd like to welcome Rocky Fleming, our founder. He's here with me again today. Thank you. And uh, the verse we're going to start out with today is uh, in Matthew. We thought we might as well start with what Jesus said about it, for starters. Uh, In Matthew 5, uh, Jesus, and starting in verse 27, Jesus says, You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who's looked at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Pretty strong words, Rocky. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So let's just talk about the lust problem, maybe just starting out with, we were just talking a little bit about it and, uh, it's, it just seems that that is a battleground, a battlefield right now. There's so much out there that men can have access to in the way, on their smartphones and mm-hmm. on computers. Porn is everywhere. Whereas in the old days, you had to go buy it at a, at a convenience store, at a magazine behind the counter. It was kind of embarrassing. And yeah. It's just such a different world today. It is. But even, even then, and back in the olden days when I was growing up, uh-huh. uh, you know, we didn't need to have a lot of, of uh, vi- visual stimulus to go there. Uh, it's just part of our nature to <clears throat> go to have that kind of feelings. Uh, and, you know, they develop early with some, earlier with some, and I was an early one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, like the, I, like, I like to hear in the word struggle, when you hear people say they're struggling with lust, that means they're not giving in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to address that because I think that there's some unnecessary struggles uh, that we are involving ourselves in, and, and that would be the kind of the topic, I guess, what I would want to discuss today, and that is how to distance ourselves from those things that we're going to be normally pulled toward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. This world right now offers a lot of stimulus, but it also offers something else even worse. It offers moral freedoms, or maybe let me put immoral immoral freedoms. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've seen immoral freedoms not only within the movie industry, the entertainment industry, I've seen it invading uh, TV now, and uh, they're just pushing the envelope just constantly. Uh, Sometimes I don't know how they get away with it. Uh, I guess they're going to do it as long as they're not either caught or they're not rebuked or they're not prosecuted. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that it's getting to be less resistance. And because there's less resistance, it, it creates a culture. 
And when you get a culture that is falling uh, in toward this, uh, this identity and this uh, activity of the lust that we're talking about in various means, then the culture begins to saturate us. And it, it begins to be less of a struggle, right? Right. The struggle is when we know when it's right and when it's wrong. But when we get to the point we don't know that it's wrong, we have less of a struggle. So I like it when Christian men are struggling. Mm-hmm. I like it when they're saying, I'm, I'm battling with this. I've got the pull on me, and we're going to have the pull. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that there's encouraging words uh, that we have from the scriptures about how to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to understand that uh, that temptation to lust is not the same thing as lust. Mm-hmm. Temptation to sin is not sin. It's an alert. It's it's a it's the red lights going off. Danger! 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 Stop, stop, stop. And learning to listen to those and even have a, a moral bearing is, is essential. Uh, that's why I think it's important to be self-feeders so that we can know what Scripture says, so that we can know the heart of God. Mm-hmm. I think it's why we need to have other brothers around us where we have this accountability to, to pull together. Because you know when a man gets isolated and he gets lonely, he becomes very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, isolation is probably the most uh, dangerous place for a Christian man mm-hmm. because they become vulnerable. And we always we always think of the David and Bathsheba story in that light because he was by himself. He wasn't at war. He was lingering on the on the patio, looking over yeah. the veranda, and you know he was by himself. Absolutely. And you know when he was uh, in the battle, in the wars. He pretty well had to, you know, deal with what was right in front of him, and it didn't. It didn't have dealing with lust. Right. Had dealing with survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when we begin to take our leisure, when we feel like that we don't have any danger around us, when we begin to become oblivious to it, we get vulnerable. And that's why it's important for us to n- never think we've got this thing conquered. Mm-hmm. We don't. We're winning one battle at a time. I like what you said about just having a temptation to lust. It doesn't mean you've sinned, you know, and, and, and I've heard it long ago that it's normal for a man to feel attracted to a, another woman. You know, that's the way God designed us. Kind of like when Adam was presented Eve and he said, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. It was kind of like him saying, wow, she's hot, you know, yeah. and that's a normal thing for us. So, yeah. so let's not get that mixed up. That's okay. But it's what you do with it is what makes a difference. It, it, it is okay and it's not okay. <laughs> and, and let me tell you my take on that. All right. And, and you see, you just quoted uh, uh, Eve who was made for Adam. Mm-hmm. And when Adam just saw her, he said, wow, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the woman that will complete me. This is the woman God is giving me. And at that particular time, God gave him full permission to enjoy her mm-hmm. in every way. And when sin came into the world, it began taking that which was good and then perverting it. And so that desire that we are to have for our, our wives, just like what you're talking about, and I'm talking about just passion 
for our wives um, is not to be watered down and diverted. But it, keep in mind now what I said about the way Satan tempts us. It's either to divide us or divert, to divert us. Mm -hmm. And we, when we begin to divert our stare, when we begin to divert our passion and take it to the fantasy area of being with another woman or the picture of another woman, such as in pornography, we have a diversion from that which God gave us that was good. So you see, that which is good needs to be focused on the one that God has given us. Mm -hmm. That's the creation. That's the way that was created. The man and the woman in marriage are to love each other and to enjoy it. Mm. Now, a lot of men out here like and hear this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> Thumbs up on that yes, one. Yes, yeah. yes, this is good. This is an emoji right here with a smiley face. <laughs> Yeah, but but so many men are uh, are torn away and you know or distract or they allow themselves. You know they put themselves in dangerous situations. Mm -hmm. I think I, you know I think we've talked about a man needs to play the tape forward and needs to needs to think ahead. You know, and a lot of men just live in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, or they play with fire. They get to the talk, talk about that that epiphany of the the event horizon that you shared with me. I will. I'd like to. Uh, the one thing I would say in in saying what you just said or, or piggybacking on that. And that is you cannot uh, decide what you're going to do in the passion of the moment. Right. You have got to al have already decided before that you ever get to that point. Mm -hmm. Because when you get to that point, there's a tipping scale. There, there's a place that you can tip off and you can't come back. Mm. Now you're talking about the event horizon. Mm. Uh, so. I'm an old science fi guy, and I used to love watching these old science fi movies and everything, and I got a lot of my education about astronomy and planets and all of that just by kind of following Star Trek and, <laughs> and all of that. Uh, and I did take astronomy in college, but I don't remember a thing except the person I sat next to. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the fact is is that there is uh, what is called an event horizon that surrounds uh, a dense star, a black star. And the black star is black because it is so dense, it will not allow gravity to escape. It will not even allow light to escape. And it is a star that has collapsed and it has gotten probably the most densest material that could in the universe, and that's why it is the way it is. Now, the theory on that is that, and, and these, these dark black stars suck in planets and various other parts. They see this, they observe this. And uh, they don't know where they go, but that this, this is what happens. It, it, gravity is so irresistible, and I want to use the word irresistible, that it cannot pull out once it gets in its grasp. Now, this is going to be a metaphor. Because you see, there is a point called the event horizon that something traveling near that black star uh, is not going to be in its grasp, but it's very close. It's walking on the edge. So imagine if you would, you had a spaceship, you know, you had the great enterprise that's flying out to 
go to places that no one's gone before. Mm-hmm. And Captain Kirk is wanting to explore the, the nearest dark star that they're seeing, this black hole. So he gets near it, and then Spock is telling him all the time, Captain, he says, you're getting too close to this thing. I don't worry about it, Spock. You know, I'm a gambler. You know, Captain, you got to realize that when it gets to a certain point, you can't stop this thing. We can't pull out of it. And so it's that particular place that oftentimes we see men, Christian men, traveling the edge of temptation. They're the Captain Kirks. They think they can pull out a little peak here, a little peak there, an innuendo, a thought. But each one of those things are an invitation to come closer and closer and closer to that event horizon. And once it you cross that, you began a slide that's almost impossible to get out of without having some major damage. Hmm. And that's why you have to prepare ahead of time, Brian. You can't make your decision once it's got you in its grasp. And, and, and you can say, you can use any kind of grasp you want to describe it. It could be adultery, uh, it could be pornography, it could be any of the sexual sins that we know men struggle with. Now there are other lusts, by the way, not just sexual. There's the lust of the eye, which is materialism. And people lust after their cars and lust after their houses and lust after, lust after uh, their financial wealth uh, as actively and as sinfully as if lusting after a married woman that's not your wife. Mm-hmm. They're both sins, and they're both uh, perverted from the way God would want us to use our energy and our emotions and our, our efforts. Mm. So that's what we try to do is try to help men understand what they're up against. And so does that kind of explain the event horizon? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm thinking first about uh, maybe preventive measures or, or ways to uh, keep a man pure. Mm-hmm. Way to keep keep him on the right track, keep keep his uh, desires for his wife, or or if he's an unmarried man, how to to wait until the right time. Uh, talk about that first. Well, I can. I'd, I'd have to just say what's been the case with me. Okay. Because I I have found that that there has to be some kind of motivation that makes me want to not go with the flesh. Uh, and I have found the motivation to be love for Christ. And my love for him is as a result of his love for me. So it's that love relationship, and we always get back to it now. You know what I'm going to say, right? (laughs) It's the intimate abiding relationship with Christ that creates in us an insulation. It causes us to want to step away from the event horizon. We don't want to walk on the edge. We don't want to continue to struggle with this, will I go, will I stay back? Will I go, will I stay back? And when we began to move ourselves toward that proximity with Christ, we move away from the event horizon. We move away from the temptation. It no longer has the appeal. We began to look at life in a different way. We look at beautiful women in a different way. Hmm. And sometimes we look away 
because we know that we don't want to have uh, anything distracted from what we're having in this enjoyment of our relationship with Christ. Hmm. So that is, for me, that's been the only way that I have been able to resist those natural urges that I grew up with, and they were very intense and very strong. Hmm. Uh, the purity aspect is to basically focus all of the love and passion and energy that God has given me toward my wife. Mm -hmm. And that has created a great satisfaction there. Now, well, and, and it seems like the spirit, it, it, it helps the spirit have power over the flesh. You know, oh, yeah. the, the, the spirit is more powerful than the flesh. We don't realize that, but it is. And, and don't you think that's, oh, yeah. and, and as we come into that, stay close to Christ, he helped, his spirit comes alive in us in a way that gives us strength that we didn't know we had over those kind of things. I think the, what's the scripture says something like, if you walk with the spirit, you, not, you will not gratify the deeds of the flesh. That's right. That's right. That's one in there in Galatians yeah, right before the fruit connects, of the spirit. Yes, it? it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I was thinking that, you know, that's the first step, you know, and then, and then the second step is some practical, you know, keeping yourself out of those situations. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, maybe I'm maybe getting too detailed, but I mean, not going to lunch with a woman, you know, even a business lunch, one-on-one, -on -one, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Not having too close of friendships with the opposite sex, yeah, right. and not your wife. You know, things like that, that it's just men of God need to be really aware of. I, you know, in, in light of Billy Graham passing away, I, I'd always heard that he wouldn't even get into an elevator with a woman, you know, by himself. And he definitely would never have a hotel room by himself while he was traveling. No. So he could never be accused. He could be above reproach at all times. Yeah, he always had a male companion that, that traveled with him. Yeah. Uh, and I do think it's it has a lot to do with not only that he wanted to protect himself, but he also wanted to protect his reputation. You know, he wanted to protect his witness. Yeah. And... Uh, and, and just think if he had not done that, just think of the thousands of people who might not have known Christ because they didn't know Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. Or Billy Graham, was his credibility had been uh, forever damaged. Mm. And, you know, he, uh, he's a hero of the faith. Mm. I mean, he, he, he uh, was credible. He was moral authority and moral excellence for his entire time. Of ministry and uh, but I, I do believe that he like everybody else had to had to fight the urges mm -hmm. and he had to do things to keep himself from being exposed to things that might take him to the event horizon yeah I, I remember when Facebook first became popular and, and guys were getting on there and, and I what bothered me is every guy I knew that got on the first thing they did is they went and looked up their ex-girlfriends in yeah. high school yeah. Just out of a curi yeah. out of a curiosity, how, how do they look, and you know, and they're just flirting with temptation, you know, by doing that, you uh, know. Yeah. And and there's that's just one of many examples that guys do. They just play around, you know, or I they want they want to still think they got something, you know. Well, I never had that temptation because I never had any girlfriends. <laughs> 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 well, let's let's talk about this, Rocky. Uh, I guarantee you. Of all the people listening to this out there, there's someone right now who's in who's trapped within a porn addiction or maybe having an affair right now. And I would like to know what you would say to those people right now. Well, uh, let's just talk about the let's talk about the attraction factor first. Uh, where do we battle it? 
how can we battle it? Because, you know, every sin begins with a temptation, correct? Mm -hmm. And every temptation begins with a thought, correct? Mm -hmm. So we don't try to stop the temptation. We try to stop the thought that leads us to temptation. So here's a practical scripture that I have used through the years for that very thing. And uh, Paul uh, gives it to us in 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm starting with uh, verse 3, and I'll read it. It's, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war or according to the flesh. So this battle we got is not just with lust of the flesh. There's a battle going on that's a spiritual battle. And we just can't try to control this and yoke it with willpower. We've got to have something far greater than that to be able to win this thing. Because it'll, it, it'll eat our lunch. So it goes on to say this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, you see, sexual strongholds are, are big in a man's life. And this is what you're talking about. A stronghold of lust, a stronghold of that lust leads to adultery or fornication or pornography. There are various things that it will lead to. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Jesus said that uh, even when you lust uh, and look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's the same as having committed Adultery with her. So he's saying lust is sin. Lust is not just a temptation. Lust is a sin. But the temptation to lust, this is where we have to now, how do we deal with this? And this is where this scripture goes. So it's already said that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And then he goes on to say, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Now get this. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Mm -hmm. Now when I read that years ago about taking captive every thought, I realized that the war has got to be won in the mind. It's got to be one in our thoughts. And you know, I, I heard a sermon one time that was talking about the shield of faith. Uh, you remember that passage? Mm -hmm. They were given the shield of faith. And it says that the shield of faith will extinguish all of the fiery darts of the enemy. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yes. Well, the, the, the preacher was saying, well, what's the fiery darts? And he, he went on to say, it's thoughts. That the shield of faith that we hold up between us and the accuser will catch and extinguish those thoughts that are coming at us. Mm. And when we take captive every thought in obedience to Christ, what we're doing is we're holding the shield of faith between those thoughts. Mm. And, we're, and, and it's defending us. But we have to hold it up. Now here's a practical thing that I do. I ask a question when I have a thought. Uh, what is this thought causing me to do? What is this thought producing in me? 
So let's say on one hand it, it produces anger and bitterness and jealousy. Uh, what would you? Where would you think that thought's coming from? <laughs> Not from God. No, that's right. Pretty obvious. Yeah. But what if that thought gives me peace and joy uh, and purity of mind? Where do you think that thought's coming from? The Holy Spirit. Right. So here I am. I have a choice. Which thought am I going to embrace? Am I going to embrace a thought that comes from God or a thought that comes from the accuser? Because if we begin to embrace the thought from the accuser, it's one step closer to the event horizon. Hmm. That thought embraced will begin to move us toward not just temptation to lust, but to accept lust. And then that thought with lust going deeper and deeper will take us to actual deeper sin hmm. that's hard to recover from, especially overcome the results of. Hmm. So where do you stop it? Do you stop it way down the road? <laughs> Is that where you do your battle? Because if you do your battle then, you're beat up, and you might not be able to beat it back. And that's the problem. Brian, a lot of men get way down the road before they start fighting it. And they start fighting it because they, they see the consequences of it. It's scaring them to death. Hmm. And this is where we have to now not be naive. We can't be foolish. We have got to look down the road. And we have to ask a question. Where is this thought taking me? What am I willing to do with that thought? What if I practice that thought? Where would that take me? What would be the results of that? What would be the consequences of that? And I will tell you what it will be. It will be death. It could be the death of a relationship with your wife, with your children, with your reputation. It could be the death of your witness. And it probably will lead eventually to a death with great sorrow. Hmm. So whenever I see a, a beautiful woman and I feel the temptation to lust, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I say, well, there goes death. Hmm. Do I want to join that? You see, this is where we have to take captive every thought in obedience to Christ. Hmm. But it's not just lust toward a woman. It's lust for um, to be greedy, lust for things, mm -hmm. lust for control. Hmm. You know, the three sins, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Those are the three roots right there. Hmm. They kind of all tangle together. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a there's a new movie out on Netflix called The Heart of Man, and it kind of dives into the whole sexual temptation and the prodigal son story in a mm -hmm. real creative way with some interviews. I recommend men to watch it because it's it's pretty powerful. Um, but afterwards, I watched it with a group of men, and and there were like five of us, and three of the other men had been involved with pornography, which almost lost their marriage yeah. as a result of it. And the other man had been involved with multiple affairs and was on a second marriage. Yeah. And it just showed me that, boy, this is this is tough. I mean, this is out there. And those three guys who'd been in the pornography, they still had some issues in their marriage of their wife not really trusting them. Yeah. You know, even though they'd repaired it and they'd been forgiven, it just lingered, lingered on. And one of the young men asked me, you know, how, what could he do to help rebuild his wife's trust or something? And I I had to think about it for a second, but I, I have four daughters, and I just thought how my daughters want to be thought of as beautiful. 
You know, they're like little princesses. And I think that a wife is no different. You know, she's still a princess wanting to be thought of as beautiful by her husband. And uh, when a man looks at pornography or lust towards something else, it's like saying, you're ugly and this is what I want over here. You know, so all I could think of was telling him just to, to restore his relationship with Christ and then restore his relationship with his wife by by just cherishing her and showing her how beautiful he thinks he is. You know, it takes a lot of work and time for him to prove that to her, but any thoughts on that? Well, you know, those are obviously a, a woman loves to be uh, appreciated. Yeah. And uh, adored. And our wives want us to see them uh, as people that, uh, women that we are very, still very attracted to. Mm-hmm. But again, there's just so much you can do with willpower here. That's right. Now, I've been married 50 years, and, and I have a beautiful, wonderful, beautiful wife. And her beauty is not only external, but internal, and she'd be 70 years old. Uh, but believe me, when she was 20 years old, she was a lot prettier. She was a knockout. And, um, but the point being is that there's an internal beauty that's grown in her since that time. And I appreciate that internal beauty in her more than the other. Mm. Uh, but I could never have the eyes to see that internal beauty in her if I didn't have that relationship with Christ. Mm. Because he opens my eyes to that beauty. Otherwise, if I didn't have that, I'd look at her as a 70-year-old woman. Mm. And I'd say, well, gosh, I don't have an old woman with a poodle that's living with me now. <laughs> Which I do. She's not old, though. We do have a poodle. <laughs> I hope she's not here anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> No, she looks like she's 50. <laughs> she does. But, uh, no, the, the, uh, the, the fact is, Brian, is that, yes, we need to show our, our wives that kind of attention. Uh, we should continue to romance them. You know, we need to talk to them. We need to spend time talking. They love to talk. They just like to debrief at the end of the day. And we're so tired, we just want to sit down and prop up and watch the news or watch the sports channel or whatever, don't we? Yeah. Right. But but our, our wives, they want to have some interaction with us. And, and this is where we have to, we have to put ourselves aside and give something to her. But when we do that, it comes back to us and it becomes an amazing experience. And now with me, uh, before I ever do any of the other stuff, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk. Sally and I are going to have our evening chats and it's very, very special. And those are grown during that's grown during the uh, several years now. Yeah. Just practice. I think it's an inside-out thing, though, for both of us. I think that that our relationship with each other has grown more affectionate and more endearing as our relationship with Christ has become more affectionate and more endearing. Mm-hmm. And that her relationship with Him, my relationship with Him, and our relationship with Him. Yeah, I've heard it said that, you know, you're married to one of the king's daughters. Mm-hmm. So he takes that pretty serious, you yeah. know. Yeah, he's, he, he's not only your father, he's your father-in-law. That's in right, that's right. I want to remember you, that. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, when you're reading Ephesians 5 about how you treat your wife, you uh-huh. know, God takes that serious. That's right, um, that's right. 
Well, Rocky, our time is up, but uh, I just feel led to ask you to say a prayer right now for all our influencers out there, especially the ones who might be caught or feeling like they're caught in the snare of, of lust right now. Would you just pray for them? And Well, before I pray, let me just say something to you guys if you find yourself in that situation. You know, God is the God of great, he's a great redeemer, and there's not a situation that he will not redeem but it's going to have to require a complete sellout to get back with uh, the life that he wants to give you. You can't hold on to one hand on one thing and then hold on to him and think that you could ever make it that way. You've got to release it, you gotta let go, and you gotta hold on with both hands. Now look, there's always consequences to our sin, and you will probably have to deal with consequences. But if your heart is right with Christ, and you're willing to let him love through you to that precious wife of yours, then she can see that there is something different about you. She will see Jesus in you, and that is very attractive. Now, if you want to know the truth, what I think a woman is going to be more attracted to when you make mistakes, guys, it's not going to be giving her roses. It's not going to be taking her out to an occasional date and making her feel special. The thing that's going to really mean more than anything to her is for her to see in you your brokenness because of what you've done to hurt her. This is, this is the right kind of remorse, and this is the right kind of tears, and this is the right kind of repentance. And God can do something great with that. He can work in her heart, but he has to start working in your heart. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I will ask you to deal specifically with those people who heard those words and it applies to them directly. We don't have to know about them. We don't have to hear their story at all. If they want to share it one day, fine. We'd love to, we'd love to know how they found victory and how they found restoration, uh, how they found healing. Those are stories, and every man's got a story, and we want those stories to be shared and heard. But, Father, the most important story is the story of that man with you, that he learns to walk with you. And then when he walks with you, you're able to have your way with him, and then, therefore, you're able to reach out through him to his world around him, and most assuredly, it's going to be with his wife first and then his children. Now, there are some men whose marriages are broken and they will not be repaired. And I pray, Father, that you will help them to, although plan A is over, I pray that you would give them plan B and that they will find joy and restoration and redirection with a new plan that you've given them. You always hold out hope. And we're never going to sit here and, and say that a, hope, a situation can be hopeless because there's always hope, always hope in you, Lord. You're the giver of hope. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Rocky. This is the Influencers Network podcast, and this is part two of a five-part series, the top five things men struggle with. 
I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I've been your host today. I want to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and to go make disciples. God bless you today. Thank you.